I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm in Carter. I run hip hop by the numbers on Twitter. I use hip hop statistics to highlight the bigger picture. And I'm Charlie to the fifth element. I highlight the fifth element of hip hop, which is knowledge. We're about to get so rotten on digging digits. Good hook, that actually. It's a very good hook. Really good hook. Uh, shout to uh, I forgot, I forgot Boss Man's name, but he actually dropped an album this year of uh, uh, Jamali. Shout to Jamali. Spelled with an H. Jamali. Hi, Ben. How's your week been? What have you listened to this week? Yeah, my week was so in- packed up. I have not listened to any projects this week. Not a solitary project. A whole I- bagel. I did the graphic and I got back into bed and didn't do anything else until I went out again that night. So there's nothing from me this week. What about yourself, Charlie? Uh, much more for the night, no, I guess. Uh, going to Plenty, started off with uh, Friend 5e, uh, Yawny Blue and Amir, Dream Big. Um, I actually did an interview with them um, over on What's Good uh, last week uh, in, in anticipation of this drop-in. Um, it's dropping on the Monday, bef- the day before this episode drops, so um, it'll be out by the time you spin this. And uh, yeah, it's really bubbly, really bouncy. Um, you know, if you if you love that, uh, if you love that Xavier Banks type stuff, uh, j- you know, just uh, yeah, just just highly confident, very bouncy, very poppy. Uh, yeah, it's just a good vibe. Uh, cartoons, all caps with two R's in there. Saturday night. Um, I remember spinning the Reuben James project from a few uh, months ago in the summer. And that was, I don't know if it was entirely produced by cartoons or just, he, I mean, he had an involvement, a significant involvement in it. So I'm assuming he produced the majority of it. And yeah, I just saw this and I was like, oh, okay. Just give, just give this a spin then. Why not? Right. Um, and yeah, some really good stuff on here. I love the vibe. I love the sound that he's got cooking. Uh, really nice stuff. Uh, aforementioned Ruben James is on here. Ray Khalil, Jay Prince on I Choose You is really good. Uh, to- uh, Topaz Jones on uh, Ain't Too Much Else. Uh, Mia Gladstone on Seams, really nice. And uh, a bunch of other features as well. But yeah, man, really good project. Really nice and uh, got a nice soul, soul to it. Um, and it's not even that long. It's about uh, 31 minutes, uh, which is, you know... Adds to the replay value, I would say, for me personally. Um, Infinity Song, Metamorphosis. Um, so if you just want to spin four black people doing some indie, go for it. That's your that's your dream. If that's your jam, go for it. Um, you know, the likes of Hand of Jagadoo, Jadagoo, um, and, uh, you know, Rachel Chinariri and all that stuff. Shout out to the black indie artists um, doing their things. Um, it's actually a cover of Dreams uh, from Fleetwood Mac on here as well, uh, right in the middle. So that's uh, kind of interesting to spin. But yeah, I like Pink Sky. I love Haters Anthem. That's a really fun track. Uh, just lyrically, very fun. Um, but yeah, man, really good album. Really uh, solid piece of work. Uh, Bahana, B-E-R-H-A-N-A. Uh, Amen, uh, The Nomad's Dream. Uh, really solid little project here. I've, I've I apparently followed Bahana s- at some point, And this album just came up. And I was just like, okay, why not? Um, yeah, I just, I just have, I had no... No vibes coming into what he sounded like or whatever. I literally just, uh, I think I might have just one of those ones where I just heard a, a clip somewhere and just uh, looked him up and uh, followed immediately. Um, but yeah, really good album. Or is it an album? Ha <laughs> ha, 26 minutes. Ha <laughs> 12 tracks. What the fuck am I going to do with that? Ha <laughs> uh, So fun. Um, I literally, uh, as a tangent, um, since, you know, Ben hasn't done anything. Minor tangent, I'll indulge. Uh, I was talking about short films on What's Good last week, and I was just kind of... And you feel like there's a kind of clear demarcation between what's a short film and what's a feature film, right? Why can't we do that with music, guys? Why can't we do that? Why can't we do that? Why can't we just distinct... Have a distinct EP album cut off? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? Short films, we know what a short film is. Feature films, we know what feature film is. We know when we see it, especially. I can, I can show you something and you'll know exactly what it is, right? You'll know it's a short film or, or a feature film. Not even by length. Length don't mean nothing at this point, right? Clearly. 
don't mean shit, because you like 12 tracks and 28 minutes. What am I going to do with that? Don't know. Anyway, solid album. Can't complain. Uh, Shay Lee, Facets. I literally just, I literally just used it. He used this album as a di- or EP as a diatribe again, just a jump off point. Didn't even talk about the album overall, but it's a good album. Please listen. Um, Shay Lee, Facets. I love Shay Lee. I adore Shay Lee. Um, really loved her album from a few years ago, 2019. Jeez, that was a, when Dangerous dropped. Uh, really good stuff on there. I think she had an EP a couple of years ago as well. She had some really good stuff on there. But I just love the fact that she, you know, uh, she's bilingual. She does these kind of like bouncy house projects, but it has that R&B tinge to it. Um, and it's just really, it's just so nice. It's such a, it's such a fun sound to listen to. Very replayable. Um, good features on here. Uh, uh, Buddy on Ego or EGO, um, and Kareem Riggins on Atterissage, Atterissage, uh, I think is how I say it, but yeah man, really good stuff, really enjoy Shaylee, I love her voice, absolutely adore, uh, Terrace Mine, Alex Isley, I Left My Heart in Ladera, I'm, I think this is like Terrace's five, fifth album this year, like he's he's been putting shit out all years. And they've all been bangers. Um, yeah, literally. So, Enigmatic Society, Fine Tune, Curly, Nova, with James Fontenot, and now Alex Isley. Um, but yeah, really good album. Again, um, really soft. Um, Alex Isley's voice just, you know, floats. If you spun Alex Isley before, you know exactly what you're going to get here. Um, really enjoyed um, the uh, back, end, back half of this, uh, the back nine, so to speak. Um, Robert Glasper on, left my, on the title track, Dear Issa... Uh, Paul Cornish on the Brayon Stoker and across the street, especially those the last four track, um, really freaking nice. Really enjoyed those. That was just a really nice sequence of tunes. Uh, but yeah, man, really, really good album. Shout out to Terrace Mind, constantly banging these out. Uh, Sampha Lahai. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think like it's a it's a personal, not really getting the hype of Sampha, right? But I I like I like the album just to say you know I like the album I think it's good. Um, there's some good uh, uh, suspended really good freaking song on that one. Really enjoyed that. And I think overall the album just um, you know goes comes and goes quite nicely. Um, I was just just spinning it today and uh, while doing some work and yeah it's just really nice really tender. Um, but yeah just uh, I I don't know where the uh, I don't know, while I like it, and I like Sampha as a whole, I think he's a good songwriter, I think the vibes were really nice, the production was really good on here, I don't know, I just feel like there's nothing that was really just grabbing me by the neck, you know what I mean, and I feel like a lot of people have that feeling um, when they listen to him, I have the same vibe with James Blake, like, I can listen to James Blake and I'm just like, it's cool, <laughs> it's cool, you know what I mean, just just, just one of those, well, I'm not really quite getting the, the grab by the neck feel, but um, it's a solid listen, I can't complain. And lastly, Friend of 5e, Vic Spencer and August Fanon, Psychological Cheat Sheet 4, I would actually say, and uh, as somebody that's listened to a significant majority of Vic Spencer's albums, um, I feel like this is his... I think subject matter wise, I think it's one of his deepest and um, probably his deepest project yet. Um, a lot of personal um, anecdotes on here, a lot of mentions of, you know, life in the group home, um, life in general, uh, past and present, uh, you know, just very autobiographical um, in his uh, in his um, musings on this uh, particular album. Um, August Fanon production, top tier, we know this, never misses. Um, I love the last track, just uh, only be, only simply because uh, Vic, Vic Green Thumbs comes on there. Love me some Vic, Vic Green Thumbs uh, cameo. Love that shit. Um, but yeah, man, uh, shout out to Vic Spencer, man. Just really good. Um, I think very personal, very autobiographical, and uh, I appreciate him doing that. But with you know, with that said, still flexing like there's no tomorrow, and you know that's why that's that's why we love him. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, outstanding little project right there. Outstanding piece of work continuing on and with that said we shall hop into our topic for this episode continuing our bhm uk bhm uh, series for the month of october this is the penultimate we have one more um, and this one is on the uh, mid 90s slash 2000s uh, original hip-hop geezer uh, black swing and um, i think he's a 
interesting uh, case study in kind of like bridging the gaps, I guess. I feel like uh, he actually did an EP with uh, Rodney P and Ty. Um, Ty is another one we will probably uh, put down for the list maybe next year or some other uh, some sometime in the future. Um, but I remember they did a project um, together a few years ago, a little EP thing. And I was just fascinated when listening with when listening to Black Twang music. I was just like, "Huh, it's interesting," because I feel like he's a nice bridge between the '90s and what was going on in the 2000s sound-wise. And he was just there in the middle. And while he hasn't dropped a project, you know, full solo project since uh, I think it was '08. you know, I think he's still he's still about, and he's still you know still dropping features now and again here and there. Very intermittent. Um, like I said, did a project with Ty and Rodney P a few years ago, um, so he's still about. And judging by his music, I feel like he could easily do another one down the line. Um, and <laughs> judging by the length of these projects, on average, um, it will be two hours because it's um, been over ten years since it's our solo. So obviously, it has to be three hours. Um, but I'm 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 being obviously sarcastic in some way on that front. Um, but yeah, we get into his solos and uh, Black Twang as a whole. So with that said, Ben, what have you got for us? Yeah, so Black Twang is uh, UK hip hop royalty. Won the first, the very first best hip-hop act mobo award back in 1996 this is before he even had released his first album which has an interesting story in itself he didn't just take the uk scene by storm the buzz he picked up after his run of mid 90s singles like what's going on everyday news the queen's head which actually features roots maneuver uh, and the song real estate they earned him accolades across the pond so black twang himself told an interviewer in 2018 he'd appeared in vibe the source and double xl leading to his mobo win in theoretically leading to the release of his debut album and you know listening to his music i'm not really that shocked that he crossed over into american consciousness because rather than rapping in an american accent in order to gain traction in the u.s like Derek b for example black twang's production mimicked america um, his debut album is quite bass heavy it's like slow down bpm there's some jazz stretches it feels like a decent summing up of east coast sounds at that time and a lot of reviews placed it alongside onyx uh, without the energy and his style is really effortless and laid back um, so he does sound like a new york mc or maybe a queen's mc but he has a british accent and he spits deeply british lyrics um, he began to take hip-hop seriously when he heard Mad, uh, Money Mad by London Posse, released in 1990. It inspired him to pursue hip-hop. In his own words, hip-hop that was your own voice, not one copied from New York. So it was always important to him. He talks about it in interviews. And, you know, as Charlie said, hip-hop's original, you know, cockney geezer, I guess you would call him. So, geezer. Geezer, geezer. And this became... You know, not just his unique selling point as an MC, but something that very few people could ever imitate. Multiple reviewers have commented on his ability to mix incredibly specific and local slang into his vivid stories, which gave him instant gratitude from, you know, a London hip-hop scene that wasn't always the most welcoming to its hip-hop exports. We've spoken a lot of times in this podcast about London artists feeling unloved in their own city usually because you know they'd blown up overseas and often because they didn't rap in their true accent black twang was never going to be in danger of this you know his whole goal was to tell the stories of those around him so his musical upbringing involved a lot of reggae and roots music he told bonafide magazine he was inspired by yellow man Ica mouse and saxon sound system he even lists madonna as a reference point but once he heard london posse though uh it was over he speaks passionately to bonafide magazine about what it was like trying to come out as an MC in the early 90s in London. He said, Stuff that came out in the early 90s raised the bar so high lyrically that rappers now aren't catching it. All those stateside guys had set such a high standard that we had to step it up. We were influenced by them. But it's what you did with that influence which is more significant. It was pointless to be inspired by them and then learn to rap exactly like them. So that, to us, that was an easy way out. So his dedication to his hometown earned him the title, as I said, of original hip-hop Cockney Geezer, which is a very apt title for someone who began introducing local slang to the world, something artists like Mike Skinner, for example, benefited from greatly a few years later. 
Um, you know, that lane had already been created. And so Black Twang began grinding. He said he would never miss Tim Westwood on Capital Radio on Friday nights. He even won a phone-in rap competition one night. And he actually credits Westwood with breaking the barrier between the US and the UK. He said bringing US rappers onto his show and introducing them to local artists, often creating incredible collaborative efforts. Black Twang even said he stood next to Jay-Z at a big, big L show once. And this would probably have been pre-reasonable doubt i would imagine so you know that's that was tim westwood's influence and so black twang began performing live he was building his buzz and his reputation as a really uncompromising london rapper in an era where london rappers were compromising and the aforementioned roots maneuver is actually pivotal in black twang's progression from aspiring mc to recording artist black twang told complex they grew up together before telling stories of how they'd use a free studio in an estate in Brixton together, learning how to produce and record their music. Roots Maneuver was far more into production and far more experienced with getting music out. He'd been recording his own demo tapes since the age of 14. But his love of the technical side of production earned him a position as assistant engineer at a local studio. And at one point, Roots Maneuver and Black Twang were actually living together in Tanner's Hill Estate, which is referenced on the track Real Estate. So you know that was a very important part of uh black twang's you know musical upbringing that roots maneuver had this ability and this understanding of how to record and release music and he conveyed that to black twang so black twang dropped uh the first of three singles on sound of money the same label that dropped uh roots maneuver's next type of motion actually there's a great <clears throat> piece by eric thorpe entitled how mag hip-hop magazine shaped uk rap as we know it right so in the article, they mentioned HHC, which is Hip Hop Connection, which is a magazine that ran from 1988 to 2009. Interviews with writers say how difficult it was for any UK rap artist to get press. And they just stated bluntly that the vast majority of music press saw rap as a fad in the UK at the time and treated it as such. And this also involved promoting UK rappers who were rapping in US accents, something that HHC was conscious of, according to the article by Eric Thorpe. Um, Rodney P even said that the magazine felt for us, by us. Um, and, you know, in terms of Rodney P, we know Rodney P to be credited as the godfather of UK rap, with London Posse influencing so many in a positive way. He comes up constantly in our episodes. He's kind of like Q-tip on the British side, you know, just, he's everywhere. Black Twang has history with him, of course. He spoke to Wordplay magazine and said, the first time Rodney ever heard me rapping was me checking the mic for them in the studio. I went in the vocal booth to test the microphone and just started spitting bars. Then they popped out uh, and said, is that you? And I said, yeah. And they were like, nice, keep it up. And after that, I just kind of, it was almost like I got my validation that I was going hard. Those are the guys I listened to coming up in the game. So in terms of HHC, as I was speaking about before, and, and the influence that I had on Black Twang's career um, and his expansion overseas. In the aforementioned article, he credits HHC for his expansion outside the shores of the UK. He said, you could go to Paris uh, and you'd see HHC. We didn't have the internet and social media, so people would read about you in these magazines and then seek out your material. These magazines were definitely a huge factor in what we did. And in terms of you know my own experience with magazines back in the, back in the day, Obviously, mine was reversed. I was getting US artists whilst I was in Australia. But I mean, that's how it works. Like, if you're in another country in the 90s, you know, there's no real internet. Like, you're not hopping on social media to figure out who the cool popping artists are. You read the source and double XL and vibe and whatever you can get your hands on. And then every week you discover a new artist. You know, you go through the review section. So it's very essential. And that's what Black Twang's talking about here. Um, you know, it was very important. And you can see exactly why an artist like Black Twang, I think, would appeal to a UK hip-hop magazine seeking to take artists global because he has a British accent, he has a British content, but it just sounds very smooth. Um, you know, it's, it's why I never really understood how Roots Maneuver didn't blow up more prominently. We got some of his music over in Australia, but he didn't touch the States. Maybe he was a bit too late, I don't know. But Black Twang kind of hit right at the perfect moment. HHC and British publications existing overseas propelled him into a XXL vibe, the source, and this progressed through his MOBO win and being nominated in the Sources Award for Best International Hip Hop Act. So he was actually nominated in a Source Award, you know, like this is before the album came out. So things get a little bit odd here. Um, so Black Twang told Wordplay Magazine he won a MOBO in 96 for an album that he hadn't released yet. 
that was the kind of level that he descended to in such a short period of time. He does speak of getting courted by plenty of major labels after the initial hype. Uh, he told UKHipHop.com he's happy how it worked out, but rather than jumping in with any of these majors, Sound of Money signed a licensing deal with a major independent Japanese label. I know it's getting complicated, but so the, the label was called Avex. Now Black Twang told Wordplay magazine, so this is all about you know the the release of his debut album. He said we had signed a deal agreeing to a certain budget to market and promote that particular album. Right at the last minute, after we pressed the vinyl, pressed the singles, we shot a video and everything, some information came from somewhere saying, sorry, we're going to have to slash this budget by about a third of what it is. Me being at the time, I was like, no, fuck that. That's not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. So I decided I didn't want to put it out. And that's why it never came out. For the people who were anticipating this album and who know where or how it would have changed the landscape of hip-hop in the UK, I would have put it out in hindsight. It is what it is. I say this, I believe in this. Everything happens for a reason. I've done nothing before it's time. So we get to his debut album, which didn't really come out until 2014, but it was written and recorded in 1996. And yeah, I kinda wanna start there. Like, I don't know if you wanna do that, Charlie, but that just kinda feels like the right place to start. Yeah, yeah, regardless of um, the drop is, you know, just acknowledged um, yeah. that it's uh, dropped in 96 or was made in 96 anyway. Um, and that's kind of just crazy in itself that um, his actual first album never technically dropped until like <laughs> you know, 25, 30 years after the after the fact, um, which is I don't know, just uh, kind of interesting that he even had a career to actually make of when his first album doesn't drop, you know, I mean, it's just a, I find that a bit weird, but, um, yeah, I guess all, all testament to the perseverance, I guess, um, minor correction, it's just hip-hop geezers, it's no Cockney, he's from South London, that's, that's not Cockney, just, oh, okay. just so you know, no, that's no, you like hells. I, I apologise, my, my British knowledge is, is low tier, just come, pretty so much good. comes from Mike Skinner and Dizzy Rascal albums, to be 100% honest. <laughs> Literally. Um, but yeah, Dead Work South East is the uh, first album. Um, very 90s uh, album cover. Uh, a lot of exp- a double exposure on it. And um, yeah, I said to Ben, this kind of just has a, a kind of like a Wu-Tang el- a vibe to it. Um, so to, you know, just I feel like we're mentioning on a weekly basis Wu-Tang in some fashion. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a very... It's a very mid '90s album for, uh, and that's that's good because it drops in the mid '90s, right? And I think it succeeds on that, just really um, on the goal of a really dingy, kind of dirty feeling album where, like, he's he, he's you're on the street with him, kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's like walk with me through um, walk with me through the streets of Lewisham. And uh, and South London in general, and I think he really succeeded in that. I think he has some very vivid, vivid um, lyrics, and uh, you know, very location specific, which I feel is always a benefit um, to anybody. It just creates that, you know, that level of if you want to, you can go deeper. And the only way you can go deeper is by just knowing what those places are or yeah. whatever he's talking about. You know, local lingo, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I think it just really, it really boosts an album to be, uh, to be, you know, location heavy and very specific and very hyper local. Um, you know, we talked about that a few months ago, maybe during a bites episode, talking about just the lack of locale when it comes to modern hip hop, especially in the US, where you you can you can listen to an artist and you don't know where the fuck they're from um, half the time because they're just making homogenous hip-hop beat you know what i mean um where it's just literally you know where at one point atlanta rappers were uh, only people rapping on trap beats now everybody's rapping on trap beats so it doesn't really matter anymore now it's just homogenous sound trap beat and everyone's on it um but yeah with when it comes to this it's just a really uh really gritty um 36 chambers-esque uh production um I mean, not in the sampling terms, but just in terms of, like, you know, just the beats in general. Um, very dirty, like I said. Um, but, yeah, man, love the Roots Maneuver feature. My gosh, they, they do, they just, oh, just, both of them are just, like, so good on, on, like, one track. Just sounds so great to have them both on one track. Um, but, yeah, Entrepreneurs, with uh, alongside Drezzo, really liked. Echo Chamber, 
uh, real estate, be a survivor. It's actually really, um, there's just some really fun, um, really fun just uh, uh, walk with me's uh, through, through this through this album. And uh, I really, I actually kind of enjoy those albums in particular. I don't know if you want to class as a concept, but just those you know, walk with me through and through my life in some fashion. This is this is what I see, and I feel like he just did that. He just wrote what he saw, and you know, especially when it's your first album, um, you have the you have all those years of you know living of uh, and, uh, and to to put to to use and to put on wax. And I think he did that very well. So um, yeah, man, it's a very it's very weird just um, knowing that it drops way later. Um, actually includes um, a uh, Detwork London Revisited um, track and mentions David Cameron. I was just like, excuse me, what? <laughs> what the fuck was that? Um, <laughs> you know, you just, you just have like a really 90s fucking album and then you listen to one track, which actually I think features Rodney P on it. Um, and he and I think Black Twang mentions David Cameron. And I'm just like, Sk- wait, what? Um, very... A very uh, un, 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 unseating, um, but yeah, past that, um, not even a critique, but just saying, I, I was just like thrown off by it for the fact that it was just a, they just dropped a kind of like a uh, uh, an updated track, I guess. But um, yeah, man, the whole album's really nice, really nice to listen to. Yeah, so in interviews, Black Twang actually reflects on what would have happened to the UK scene if he'd actually dropped this album when it was intended to be dropped, and I think that's a brilliant thing to talk about. So what would the UK rap scene have looked like if this album dropped as intended? I, w- I want to talk about it after the album because I want to talk about the album first, but like he had that, so he had the accolades, he had his foot in the American door. The deal was structured so he had international distribution on an independent label. Uh, the US was already familiar with him. And in 96, you know, this album would, as Charlie said, sound like Wu-Tang. It would have absolutely sounded up to date in the US. Maybe only just, but it would have sounded up to date, I think. If it had dropped when it should have, what kind of lane would it have opened up? And it, it never dropped. And so the label I mentioned earlier, AVEX, um, they were independent, but according to Black Twang, they still had quite a lot of clout. So they agreed to license the album, afforded him a sizable budget to record and promote it. Uh, you know, Black Twang said the album was completed, a video was shot. As I said earlier, the singles were ready to go. And he refused to put the album out because of the budget being slashed. So he told Complex at the time of its official release in 2014, I wasn't trying to be difficult. Just because it feels like someone's got you around the testicles doesn't mean you have to give in. I probably would under those circumstances. But anyway, Deadwork Southeast would have gone the way of other records that didn't get the marketing they deserved. I remember hearing for years that if certain artists had the right promotion and marketing, they would go far in the game. When we realized we weren't going to achieve the vision for the album, it wasn't worth doing anymore. So that's something I feel to truly admire. You know, he created something he was really proud of. He didn't want a major label shortchanging his vision. I think that that's, that's amazing. And that's a huge thing, a huge decision to make. And the fact that, as Charlie said earlier, that he still had a viable career after this is, um, you know, and he still hit commercial peaks is, is fucking amazing. And to me, the album is a classic. You know, I think there are very few flaws on it. It does drag a little occasionally, but his flow is so stupidly smooth. And lyrical content is a very healthy mix of storytelling, observations, brags, and punchlines. He loves a punchline, Black Twang. It stands up against a lot of counterparts in the US, you know. Um, you know, it's very shoot, sorry very smooth with sharp lyricism uh and i think it's a brilliant album but i am curious charlie what you think might have happened if this had dropped in let's just say it dropped in 96 and it charted well in the u.s and and got u.s attention do you reckon the uk scene would look any differently because it kind of feels like you know p- people like Ruth maneuver for example may have had a lane for international success yeah i mentioned uh, i remember you mentioned the uh, roots maneuver previously and i wanted to hop on that and so i forgot so thanks for reminding me um i feel like the only reason roots didn't um pop off is because he was compared to i think compared compared to black twang i feel like roots was just really abstract yeah and i don't know i if i if if we play brand new second hand to an american i don't know how they would respond yeah um <laughs> i don't think they'd respond too well um and but you know that's just me i'm guessing um but you know if you're an american listener feel free go listen to roots maneuver and also go listen to our uh retrospective on roots maneuver which we did a couple of years ago um but yeah i 
I mean, I think DJ Babu actually made a uh, made a kind of a quick uh, message on on this out on Deadworker uh, on Deadwork. So um, you know, uh, he. He had some representation on there, albeit one person in DJ Babu. Um, but yeah, I I think, of course, right? If if it if it dropped when it was supposed to drop, and you know, above, um, on top of all that hype that you were mentioning, including the Mobo Award, yeah, of course, I think yeah. uh, I think the landscape would, for especially for Black Twang, would be a lot more different. Um, as the as is British hip hop as a whole, maybe yeah, sure, definitely. I'm, I'm you know. I'd, I'd hazard a guess to say yeah, it would obviously benefit positively. I mean, I can't imagine um, a, these, a solid album like this dropping when it's supposed to drop, not being a net positive to everybody. <laughs> um, I can't imagine that. So yeah, I think that's a you know relatively easy answer on that front. I think everybody would have benefited from it. Um, but you know, it's it's a uh, it's one of those things where um, you know you, you you try and do that hypothetical and. You know, maybe there's a universe where it did, where it 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 doesn't go well in some, for for whatever reason. But um, we're here and we've got what we got. Um, but yeah, I feel. I mean, especially compared to when it actually dropped, um, it should have dropped in '96 and not in 2014 or whatever it was. Because um, I don't know who I don't know who was um, looking for. I mean, apart from you know, hip hop heads from back in the day. Uh, they were definitely looking forward to spinning the first album for the first time, right? Um, but or, or even copying the first album for the first time. Um, but yeah, I think as a whole, obviously the 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 UK music landscape in uh, in uh, in twenty twenty whatever um, was uh, you know <laughs> dramatically different uh, from ninety six. So yeah, the, it should have dropped when it dropped, basically. Yeah, it's a weird it's a weird thing to think about the fact that it's such a 96 album and it's actually really fucking good and if it had dropped at the time you know it would have been really fascinating to see what it what it would have done i mean maybe we'd be speaking of it like we speak of the infamous or something like that um but yeah anyways it's it's interesting think interesting to think to think about um but yeah man so we move on and he did manage to carve out a very viable career after this, which is wild. When you think about it, right, he comes into the game really, really early, massive singles, like people just blowing him up, huge buzz, gets a MOBO award, and then all of that disappears. You know, I actually tweeted about Ray Shremmer's uh, fourth album uh, a couple of, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday, and I asked people, you know, are you shocked that this album even came out in 2023? And a lot of people were like, what fucking album even is that? And then people were just like, they waited so long that they just lost all their buzz. And that's the truth. Like, a lot of people didn't even know that album dropped. And that's a massive thing, even in 2023, for that to happen. But back in the 90s, that was huge. If you lost your buzz and your momentum, you you fell away. But he continued on. So we get 19 long time. Um, and the album did officially release on CD and LP despite more label troubles. Wiki listed it, having, listed it as having come out via recognition, but Discogs has it listed by a different record. And the album is another triumph to me. Like I feel like it builds upon everything that made the first record great, and it kind of adds an update to keep it relevant. 96 to 98 is a big leap, and though this album doesn't sound supremely different to his debut, I felt like it was a jump forward in how contemporary the beats sound. There's some stuff in here that I'd maybe expect to find on like a Def Jam album, which is really high praise, especially in 98. Lyrically and technically, I felt like he just kept excelling. You know, Roots Maneuver on Shush is just such a nice nostalgic touch point for me because I do think that their chemistry is really perfect together. Um, you know, if it were the age of the, the duo album and these two linked up for the first time, I do feel like a collab album between them would be brilliant because Black Swang is technically gifted and very precise. His, his bars feel like... I don't know, stapled onto the beat and his content is very thought-provoking but slick at the same time. And Roots Maneuver is a lot different. As Charlie said, you know, his flow is unorthodox and it feels chaotic at times. His lyrics run across the spectrum from warm and inviting to very jarring with a lot of humor, like a lot of dry humor thrown in. So I do think their styles really complement each other beautifully. And this is a great album. It really is. It's a really solid album. I enjoyed it immensely. Yeah, I think as a um, as like a quote unquote second go of it, um, I think he really took everything positive about the first album, and as you said, kind of just uh, refreshed it for the time. And um, yeah, I don't really have much else to add on that. I think uh, it's a very, a very good 
quote unquote first project <laughs> and uh, you know building on top of that first one um i think was a really great improvement um i will say uh there were a couple of i mean i think i think i can say this for um i'm gonna say this for the next few albums but um jesus christ these albums are long like sometimes i tell you and there's always like when it goes above an hour i feel like i get to the point where i'm just wondering did, did, was that song necessary was that song necessary or could they all be shortened by 10 seconds maybe um and i feel like it gets to this point for me where i'm just like okay couldn't i or even perfect love songs fine i just think it was a weird placement because everything was just everything around it was just really different um and then that one just stuck out a bit like a sore thumb um but that'll that's gonna add on to what i'm gonna say at the end especially for the last album um I'll leave it there, but uh, yeah, man. Uh, on top of uh, uh, overall, it's just um, yeah, very, very nineties, uh, late nineties album as it should be. Yeah, and then we get kick off. Um, so this album actually came out via Bad kick Magic and, and EMI, and it was actually the first time Black Twang received widespread mainstream attention for an album. Uh, even all the way out here in Australia, our biggest national newspaper, the Sydney Morning Herald, they had a write-up in 2003 announcing the release of the album, which is big. And this was Black Twang's moment. You know, it featured Estelle uh, Jamali, who Black Twang credits for elevating him to an even wider audience, not by just featuring on the songs, but performing with him on the festival circuit that year. Black Twang actually told the skinny, this is by far his most successful album, and it was. And, you know, it's it feels like it you know to me it feels like a mainstream rap album not in a bad way not in a bad way at all but yeah it's it's very listenable uh the production is you know it's, it's quite glitzy at times uh the hooks are fucking some of them are just massive and black twang i think is just in you know his his style seems to not change heaps but it seems like he relies more on punchlines but in this on this album even the punchlines are informative like they're like, oh, wait, I wouldn't have thought to associate those two things. And then, as Charlie said earlier, it kind of makes you want to go away and research and be like, okay, what does it mean here? Like, you can listen to it on the surface and be like, oh, yeah, that's a cool punchline. Or you can be like, oh, I want to figure out what that slang term means or why that links up with this. So I think this is actually a really brilliant album. I enjoyed it a lot. I've listened to it probably the most of all of them across the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a really, really solid album. Yeah, I think um, as a as a attempt at mainstream effort um which we have kind of covered in the past few weeks with you know lisa matthew and so solid where you know they they created albums that were built to be mainstream and i feel you know with an actual budget given on this album i feel like black time made a hearty attempt yeah. um, especially in the front end of the album um kickoff sounds uh, the tar track kickoff sounds like it should have been in a fifa game yeah. Um, or a yeah. FIFA soundtrack, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> it was so. It's, it's. I mean, 2002, FIFA Football 2002. Yeah, yeah. man. Put that on the fucking. Uh, yeah, or 03, right especially. There, I think that was like the first one I had, actually. 03. I'd be shocked um, if it wasn't, you know, like if I, I should yeah. go back and find yeah. my FIFA 02 or something yeah, like that. I feel, and see I, what's on there. Yeah, I feel like it easily just could have been on a FIFA soundtrack and uh, it just would have fit in so perfectly. Um, while I don't mind Trickstar. Um, uh, lyrically, I don't like the beat on that track. I I just I don't know sign about it. it. Just it feels abrasive to me. Um, but shout out to Estelle. Um, as always, love Estelle. Um, yeah, Jamali on uh, So Rotten's banger, top tier track, really fucking good track. Um, Rodney P comes through as well on a Dirty Stop Out and Covers. That was really good. Um, shout out to Rodney P. Um, but yeah, man. Um. Yeah, just a couple of cases, again, where I'm just like, you know, the songs are a little too long or just, a, you know, could have taken out a couple of songs, it would have been fine. Um, but, yeah, I feel like, especially in the front end, um, the back end gets much more, um, I think, uh, just, I guess, into his comfort zone, quote-unquote, of uh, or, or, or in the comfort zone of the Black Twang listeners. Um, but the front end is definitely just one of those where it's, you know, built to be mainstream, and then it's like, all right, no. and then it gets like halfway, and it's like, all right, let's get to the actual, you know, just um, straight up British hip hop stuff. And uh, yeah, it's an interesting uh, album. You can easily cut in half, um, but you know, it's it's fine as a whole. I can't complain. I can't hate it. 
Yeah, man. It is. It, and you know what? Like, just a very consistent artist. Because, like, we get to his final two albums. I'm just going to kind of lump them together for me. Um, because not, okay. a lot ha- not a lot happened, really, in the interims between them. And this couplet signals the final two solo albums we've gotten from Black Twang, as Charlie said earlier, which is now 15 years since then. In 2014, he did tell Complex... He had two full projects ready to go. They just never actually dropped. Obviously, it's a bit elongated because he did drop an album in 2014, even though it you know, should have already dropped in 96. But I felt like speaking from experience, is a really brilliant album. Um, you know, I don't want to call it the quintessential Black Twang album because I think sonically it's a different direction at times, but I do think it brings together so many aspects of his artistry. I think the production is inventive. I felt like his vocals are inventive, but just metronomic in quality, like does not deviate, just very consistent. Lyrically, I think he's always saying something worth hearing. You know, that we talk about this with a lot of rappers where they're just exciting because, you know, like for example, that's why I love E40 so much. It don't really matter if the beat sucks or, you know, his flow is garbage. At least whatever, however bad the song is, he's going to say something that's going to make me, I'm going to be interested, I'm going to be entertained by that. And that's how I feel with Black Twang. Almost every single bar across his discography is entertaining. He's an entertaining rapper. You know, he has a lot to say. Um, and, you know, the production on here is, is a bit of a wild mix. There's some real 90s throwbacks, a few deeper cuts. But I think mostly the beats sound a bit dated, um, but in a really appeasing way, considering the sound mainstream was veering off to in 2008, which was Hip House. Uh, to get a throwback record from a very adept lyricist, I felt was a blessing, and, and I enjoyed that project a lot. The, so, the Rotten Club, yeah, yeah. You know, that was probably the one that I slipped through and just listened to once, and it didn't really didn't really stick with me not in a bad or a good way just yeah maybe it was just a bit more of the same for me yeah i think the rotten club is an album that really it it kind of pisses me off in some ways because there's in the middle of the album is just such there's such good gems in there Uh, everything around it i can leave because it just screams 2000s and uh it just puts me off um, I don't mind the, you know, I don't mind the concept of something like Beef Stop or GCSE, uh, which he labels it as something different from what GCSE actually is, if you if you know, you know. Um, and Lady as well, but then you get to Travelling. Great fucking song. He's talking about basically how he's travelled all over the world, and it's a very introspective and very interesting track. Stop and Search, talking about Stop and Search, Google it. Um, Roadworks, great freaking track, talking about being on road. I think that's actually a very inventive way of talking about being on road, um, especially, you know, compared to how drill rappers talk about being on road. Um, I feel like it was very interesting. Um, Soldier, Pray for the Prayer for the Dying, My World. Oh, My World is sick. Um, and I think in one of those tracks, um, he actually mentioned So Solid's crew, actually, oh, really? of um, being a scapegoat. <laughs> Uh, literally mentioned. I think scapegoat. I remember that. Um, yeah. 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 So solid crew scapegoat for what they wrote or something like that. And uh, I was like, oh look, there you go. We were on the right path. Uh, it was it's nice uh, little con- continuity there. Um, but yeah, yeah. After that, it gets to looks g- look good. Oh, oh, oh. Don't age well. Didn't age well. Um, and yeah, I could have, yeah, I'm just not, I wasn't into the rest of it. Like, uh, I mean, even the first man remix of traveling, I was just found a bit weird. I was like, why, why bother doing a remix? You struck gold with the first one. Um, and even, you know, rotten club and position to start off. It just, uh, just felt a mm, t- bit too, bit too much two thousands on that for me. Um, and on speaking from experience, uh, I feel like it was kind of a similar thing, but, you know, something like Champagne Lifestyle, nah, 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 eh, just not into those kind of tracks. But, you know, there's stuff like Rolling Stone, uh, For the Summer, which I think like one of the tracks like For the Summer, I, and obviously we're covering, you know, a dude's whole <laughs> discography in the space of, you know, an hour. So, you know, when you listen to these albums, you're 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 getting a lot of information and a lot of... Uh, a lot of life, right, through through one's lens, and I feel like Black Twang's a really good example of listening to somebody's discography and actually watching someone grow um, personally. Because I don't think he would have done something like for the summer when he dropped Deadworks. Um, it just it it wouldn't have linked. And 
I like For the Summer. It's fine. It's a good track. It's not like um, it's not like Master Race doing a long uh, a long hot summer. Um, you know that kind of comparison of a uh, you know summer tracks and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you know it's it's cool, and I appreciate him even trying something like that because you know he experiences summer, so why can't he talk about summer? Um, but yeah, stuff like Rolling Stone um, has like really just um, and speaking from experience as a whole, actually, I think that the production choices are very interesting um, because he I think he really leans into more. Um, you know, reggae samples and stuff like that, and I'm fucking here for that every day of the week. Um, so, you know, that's something that the first two albums didn't have, um, and I feel like if he did, if he did something like Deadworks or you know, Deadworks, and then link it with like the production of stuff like Speaker from Experience with the you know, a lot of reggae samples, like I said, and stuff like that, and, you know, a few features here and there. I feel like there's a perfect album within all of these albums, and I think that's very interesting. I don't know if that happens a lot with you, Ben, but I feel like, in particular, when it comes to Black Twang, I feel like when going through his work, I feel like there's positives for all of them, and I feel if he took a little bit of all five um there would there's a perfect album in within that you know what i mean uh, i don't know how that would work in terms of combining the five um it's not like uh it's not like them you know them ig videos where like uh, a guy a guy goes um you know left foot right foot uh iq you know just just that football shit of like creating the ultimate player or something uh creating the ultimate black twang album i'm not really sure how to how to word that but I truly believe there's just something there's there's a perfect album in there, but there's always there's all positives throughout the five. I think where you know there's decisions made on the sec on the last two where I'm just like ah, two thousand strikes again, just coming through with the, just coming through with the two thousands ass beats had to happen. No, nobody's safe. <laughs> nobody's fucking safe. Um, apart from maybe actually Roots Maneuver, I feel. Um, I don't know if he did any 2000s ass beats during his 2000s run. Um, uh, he did but... the he did Dub Come Save Me. So he did he didn't do any like he did a few remix things, but he I don't remember mm. any. Yeah, I, 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 any from what I recall, I don't feel like Dub Come Save Me had the. Uh, had any 2000 last piece but no no but i just mean like that was really the only way he branched yeah, yeah. out like i don't yeah, remember yeah, any exactly. silliness no there's no black eyed peasness <laughs> in there at all in roots maneuver i mean dizzy rascal went the obviously the opposite direction but yeah yes dizzy leaned practically quadruple somersaulted into that shit um, yeah so yeah i fell for a 12 meter diving board um but yeah uh i feel like you know yeah black twain obviously you know kind of got caught up in that a little bit you know is what it is he, uh you know it's just it's, it's like it's like a bug you know just some people catch it you know what i mean just happens uh, i can't really hate on the person for doing it um it was what the it was what it was of the time okay guys you just need to you just need to realize it was of the time you know everyone was doing track masters art beats you needed to be there um, <laughs> i was there and it was glorious Yes, yeah, it, was a, it was a time to witness. It was a very interesting time to witness. But um, yeah, man, like not not everybody can can be Moots maneuver on that front. Um, but you know, Black Twang got into a point. Um, I feel with these last two albums, where you know, um, just capping that off, where I feel, um, there were just some two thousands moments in there, and uh, I feel like if he just strayed away from that and stuck to his stuck to his roots on that front, no pun intended. Um, it would have been a lot better, but you know we got some gems out of it, and that's all I. Then you know I'll I'll take that to the bank. So, um, yeah, man, yeah, man. But still, I still would like a a modern Black Twang album. Um, still, yeah, I would always be interested to hear from Black Twang. Very, very interesting MC. Like one of those MCs that just engages you. So yeah, man, I'm mm. down. Yeah, so premium engaging, and um, I forgot the final point I was going to make <laughs> at the end of it, or maybe I have made it, I don't know. Um, but yeah, man, just a very, uh, you know, like I said at the beginning, a very interesting bridge for what British hip-hop was when Rodney P was about, um, and even when Derek B was about, technically, right? Because um, that was around the same time. And uh, for the likes of, you know, So Solid Crew and other 2000s artists that we haven't got into yet 
um, I feel like, yeah, it's an interesting bridge uh, between all that. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Black Twang. All right. Shout out to Black Twang, Tony Rotten. And with that said, we shall hop into a lighter note, which, uh, well, Ben's been busy oh, during yeah. his birthday week. I did, a lot. I did a lot in my birthday week. So, so went to South by Southwest Sydney last week. Um, it was fucking amazing. Firstly, we went to El Sweatshirt on last Monday night, uh, which was not part of the, the festival. But, um, yeah, I got tickets to that, and uh, it was really interesting. I had no idea what to expect. Uh, some people were telling me that Earl's not a good live performer. I don't know what they're talking about. Like, he was fucking amazing. He wasn't, like, high energy, jumping around, going crazy. It wasn't a Travis Scott show, but no backing track for 99% of it. And, you know, Earl... He's very lyrically dense, not easy to get those lyrics out, and he just fucking skated over the top of them. Maybe people were upset that he didn't play more, like, pre-2016 stuff, but, like, I don't know, man. I enjoyed it a lot. East East went off. Yeah, yeah, thanks for sending that and only that to me. (laughs) Nothing else. This dude literally just sends me one video out of the whole fucking week he had, and it was fucking East. That was wild. Dickhead. That was wild, man. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. We saw Earl on Monday night. That was great. Um, so then we planned to be out Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So on on Wednesday, we saw Red Veil. Um, and he was really, really good. I did not know what to expect. you got to remember, these weren't like massive venues. These were small venues with small crowds. Uh, he was, yeah, very, very, very solid performer. Uh, then we kind of got lost a little bit and, and went to a couple of events. Because it was, it was kind of like just a big festival, you know. And it was in the city so you know there were all these different like there'd be things in hotel lobbies or in you know universities or in chinese restaurants like performances and talks so you know you you, and everyone only played for like 30 minutes so and everyone was on time it was such an industry event bro everyone was on time you started at at you know 11 20 you ended at 11 50 so you would have time to go to the next one which was sick so we saw fly on a boss on wednesday night uh that was so that was my birthday wednesday um and yeah man fucking sick fly on a boss was so good if you want to check them out they were fucking amazing then on Thursday, I saw a couple of talks. Um, so I saw a talk called Decriminalizing Hip Hop, um, which was talking to mainly Australian people, but also a guy from Mixtape Madness in the UK, who were just talking about the reason why hip hop is criminalized and how it is criminalized. And a lot of it was very shocking to me that I did not know was going on. You know, a lot of behind the scenes stuff, especially in Australia and Sydney, making it really difficult for hip hop promoters that even book shows you know um the police would allegedly threaten to withdraw liquor licenses from venues who hosted shows but the 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 most jarring was them talking about the way police and all this is just you know this i'm just conveying information i've heard from this panel the way in which they try to change the lyrics of rappers like literally try and say you can't say that you can't say that you can't say that and obviously we hear that in a lot of uk hip-hop with the ear you know, and I'll, you know that's not always the artist's fault that you're. I'm not saying it's the artist's fault ever. Actually, it is never the artist's fault. But I heard a few things to imply that the artist has no idea what's going to get irked when they're writing and recording the lyrics. So when I say it's not the artist's fault, they're not from from what I heard. They're not like sitting in the studio being like, I know this is going to get bleep, but I'm going to say it anyway they're saying stuff and it's just getting bleeped after the fact so it was just a shot it was a shocking talk genuinely and it made me really sad and very angry at the way in which the police try to pre-police everything you know they'll shut a show down because they think a crime might be committed there it's like what planet do you fucking live on bro like that's not how it works it's it was really it was shocking it was a shocking talk um then we saw chance the rapper's keynote speech and it was fucking amazing. It was really, really incredible. I did not know what to expect, but Chance is just so eloquent and so knowledgeable. And yeah, we talked for an hour. He's funny, engaging. Um, and he called South by Southwest out, like called them out specifically. He said, and he was very knowledgeable on, on Australian matters too. You know, we just had the voice to parliament referendum in our country, which once again exposed our country as just like fucking sickeningly racist. Um, but Chance knew all about it. He had deep knowledge on it. He spoke of it eloquently. And he said, South by Southwest, your challenge next year is to have more indigenous performers, more indigenous speakers, 
but also to allow more indie artists to perform. Because, you know, the way that he was talking, South by Southwest originated as a place where all the industry congregate and they get, you know, independent artists perform and that's how they get signed, you know, and that's how Chance said he got signed. He went all the way down there at South by Southwest. He wasn't signed yet. And he, you know, hustled and got his mixtape across and, and got a deal. Well, not a deal, but, you know, distribution and a manager and all the important stuff. Obviously, in Australia, it's a lot different because most of the acts we saw were international. And if you're an international act coming all the way to Australia to perform a concert, you're not doing that out of the goodness of your heart. You're not like, oh, I'm an independent artist. I'm just going to hop on a plane and hope that I get a performing slot. Like a lot of that, most of the acts that I saw were already signed. So Chance was kind of calling that that out. And I thought that that was very valid. So that was a great speech. Um, and then Friday, we saw Red Veil again at Phoenix, which is this cool underground venue I was telling Charlie about. Like it's built for acoustics. So tiny little venue. And uh, Red Veil was just amazing. Like he was even better than he was the night before, uh, on Wednesday night. Fucking amazing. And yeah, we just like went around and around that night. Um, I think we ended up seeing six shows across a period of like five hours. It was fucking intense. And then last night was my final night. We went in and watched Divinity, the new movie. Um, and that was just a weird experience, man. It's a weird movie. So overall, bro, I had a blast. And I didn't. I wasn't sure that I was going to have a great time. I really wasn't. Um, I didn't know what the what the feel would be. I have been actively rejecting the industry, not necessarily because I hate it so much and I don't want to be a part of it. It's not not that altruistic. It's just that I have a really severe mental illness and these kind of events, you know, I've slurred my words this morning and stumbled over everything because I'm absolutely fucking destroyed. Like, it's going to take me weeks to recover for this. So that's kind of why I have, you know, not been a part of the industry and not been a part of these kind of things before. So I did not know what to expect, really. And obviously, I'll just say it plainly. I thought it was just going to be a bunch of, you know, young, talented artists performing for a bunch of industry dipshits who were just standing in the room like, oh, yeah, I like it. I can market that. That dance might be good for a TikTok. You know, just like that kind of conversation. But it wasn't that at all. Um, it was really fun. It was really enjoyable. Everyone was out just, everyone that I talked to was out just enjoying themselves, watching artists, having fun talking to people, meeting people. Um, I made a lot of connections. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm supremely thankful for the opportunity to go. Uh, it's it's like nothing I'd ever experienced before. Uh, it was kind of like, you know what I felt, what I got the feeling of? Uh, you know when you're a kid and you go to a theme park and just like everything's exciting. You're like, I want to go to this next. I want to go to this next. That's kind of how I felt during South by Southwest. It was like, you know, you'd go on one show and then you'd see that for half an hour and you'd run across town and you'd see another show. It was fucking sick, man. Um, so, yeah, shout-outs out by Southwest Sydney. I enjoyed myself. That's oh, good. It's good for you. And, um, yeah, I'm glad that you uh, enjoyed, your, enjoyed your week. Um, yeah, I can imagine it being extremely draining, just, uh, you know, just waking up. All right, ne- next set of events there and it's like just... It's just they just keep on coming, bro. It was um, midnight yeah, every man. night, man. We were out till midnight yeah. every night, and then I I can't sleep. I've got the worst insomnia of anyone you've ever met. So I sleep like two hours. I'll eat like a muffin for dinner, and then I'll wake up and be back <laughs> in the city again. Like I'm just destroyed. But yeah, man, it was it was hectic. It was go go. Yeah, I mean, maybe not a muffin, but uh, I get you. Uh, <laughs> 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 but yeah, I see, you, I see. You. Uh, but yeah, man. Uh, we got there. We got to the end, and uh, yeah, it's good, good, good for you, Ben. You made it. You made it. How do you feel? Yeah, no, I feel great. I feel good that I, you know, I, I wanted actually to use it as a bit of a you know test case for London because London's mm-hmm. obviously going to be an incredibly difficult, challenging time for me. It's just something like I've never done before, especially at this level of unwellness in terms of my psychological state. So I want to see how I got through it. And um, I got through it, you know, I feel like shit now, but I'm very thankful that I got through it. So yeah, I, I feel great, honestly. I feel very blessed to have that opportunity. I'm, I'm thankful. All right, we'll probably hit like a few shows maybe and the rest of it will, might might just be exhibitions. So we'll keep it calm. <laughs> no, that's fine with me, man. We'll keep it chill, bro. We'll keep it chill. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, until then. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we shall leave it there.
I found the five VPN. This has been Digital Hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be trying to take the fifth element. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. Final UK BHM celebration retrospective uh, next week. And after that, well, we don't know. We, <laughs> we wing it. <laughs> we'll we pick whatever, uh, wherever we feel um, out of the bunch of uh, stuff that we have on, 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 on certain notes uh, scattered around the place. Um, but yeah, one more UK BHM next week. Uh, hope you join us. But until then, hope you all have a good week. We shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show is edited by me. Music for the show is Peace and Video Games by Bonus Points. Thanks to Chill Hot Music for the ability to use. Socials with Fenomen, Hip Hop by Numbers, Bonus Points, and Chill Music will be in the full show as well as the names of projects of view to every listening. This has been a 5 EPA production. Thanks for spending time with us. We'll see you next time. Continuing our UK BHM series on Digging Digits. Digging Digits.